0: The grace and peace of christ be with you and also with you let's turn and greet one another we welcome you to laguna presbyterian church and especially if you're visiting with us today we're so glad that you're here with us there's an announcement sheet that's in the bulletin tells us about some of the things that are happening after the congregational meeting in this service those of you who are in the parables sunday morning bible study that group will meet as soon as the congregational meeting is completed this coming Friday, George and Anna Fallis will be speaking at our third Friday group about Greece, and we'll be eating Greek food. It is going to be a great evening, and today's the last Sunday to sign up. You might still be able to get signed up t- tomorrow or the next day, but t- try to get in there today to get signed up to get your reservation. It probably will be about 100 of us. It will be a wonderful evening. Inside, you'll see that next Sunday morning for our adult education Gary and Lori Cowman are going to be speaking. They are missionaries in Kenya, and they've been in the States for quite a few months. They're going back after Christmas, and they're going to be talking about eradicating Bible poverty. I had to ask, what is that? It means people who don't have Bibles and how, t- how technology is making a difference in their work in Kenya and around the world. That's next Sunday morning. You'll also see on the patio there are a number of opportunities to sign up to be helpful at Christmas time with families that are in need. Holiday meals for Camp Pendleton and also the Christmas breakfast for the homeless are taking donations out on the patio this morning. There will be other opportunities coming in the next few weeks too. Um, our church is 100 years old in 2017, and there's a group that's already beginning to plan the celebrations for that year. So if you would like to be part of that planning, or at least part of it for a day, the meeting is today, af- right after this service at 1130 in the parlor, and you're all welcome to be part of that. The flowers this morning are honoring Mel and Mim Shantz on their 58th anniversary. So we congratulate them. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
1: Lord, we come into your presence this morning in the context of a world that has been terrorized, violence in the Middle East, in Beirut, in Paris, and in other places, and innocent lives lost. We come as your people into your presence, And we believe that we are coming to the source of all goodness, of all light, of all love, of all peace, of healing and reconciliation. We come bringing ourselves whatever burdens we bear, whatever life experience we have had. We come and we present ourselves to you. And we ask for the power of your word and spirit to rest upon us, to reform and to transform our lives For your own glory. May you be honored as we worship you. In your name. Amen.
2: Please join me for our call to worship. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it.
3: And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth.
2: The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known.
3: Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever.
2: Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Amen. Let us stand and worship the Lord.
3: size to see. Just to
0: lawyer asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. And so we come to the Lord and confess to him the ways in which we fall short of his desire for us to love him and to love neighbors. Let us pray. Awesome and compassionate God, you have loved us with unfailing, self-giving mercy, but we have not loved you. You constantly call us, but we we do not not listen. You ask ask us us to love, but we walk away from neighbors in need, wrapped in our own concerns. We We condone condone evil, evil,
3: prejudice, prejudice, warfare, warfare, and
0: greed. God God of grace, as you come to us in mercy, we we repent in spirit and in truth. truth. We We admit our our sin, and gratefully receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray through Christ, our Savior. Amen. Friends, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It is God who is at work in us, enabling us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and equipped for every good work. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Amen.
1: grateful for that anthem this morning I needed that our scripture Matthew 13 right at the end of this series of parables of the kingdom verse 51 on page 15 Jesus asked his disciples have you understood all this and they answered yes yes And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he left that place. Pray with me. Be present with us this morning, Lord. In the power of your word and spirit, we open our hearts and our minds to receive you, the living word, the resurrected Christ, the source of all creation, power, and love. We thank you that we can come as your people into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. This may be one of the most important questions that there is in the Bible. There are a lot of questions addressed to the humans from God and from Jesus, from apostles and prophets. Have you understood all of this? The question comes at the very end of a series of parables of the kingdom of heaven. the parable of the sower that goes forth to sow the word of the kingdom to discover that the seeds of the kingdom land upon different kinds of soil. The sower in this text, I think, was Jesus Christ himself, the sower of the word of God. He came at the initiative of God it's the very incarnation of the love of God to work for the transformation of the world. And he scattered the seeds of the words of his teaching. Some of it fell on hard ground. And the birds came and took the seeds away, or in a deeper meaning, the evil one came and devoured the seeds from the very beginning of these parables, we are reminded that there is evil in this world that is resistant to the rule and reign of God. Some of the seed fell in shallow soil. It didn't have enough depth in order to sustain the plant. And so when the sun came up, it wilted. And some of the seed fell where there were thorns growing, weeds that choked out the good seeds, the word of the kingdom. But some of the seed fell in fertile soil. And they burst forth and they produced fruit. The kingdom of heaven is like a field that has both good plants. And bad plants growing within it, the wheat and the weeds. And that's a surprise. And that's the biblical worldview that Jesus was seeking to teach to his disciples. You live in a world where there are forces and pressures that seek to choke out the reality of God in your life. So do not be surprised. When you see the weeds, the wheat and the tares growing together. But always remember, it is not our job to root out the the weeds. Otherwise, we destroy the whole field. Because the line of sin runs through every human heart, mine and yours. And in trying to purify and make perfect the field, we discover that we destroy it. The kingdom of heaven is it's like a mustard seed. The smallest of seeds, once planted, grows up to become a great plant. The kingdom of God is like yeast in a lump of dough that gradually infuses the whole loaf. The kingdom of God grows and the one who planted it watches by day and sleeps by night and suddenly is surprised by the plant that springs forth. And does not understand our the whole process of growth, of of development. Kingdom of God, like a treasure in a field. You find it. You sell all that you have so that you can buy that field. And possess it. The kingdom of God. It's like a precious pearl. The merchant finds it, goes and sells all that he has in order to purchase it. It's so valuable. The kingdom of God is like the fisherman's net cast into the lake that draws forth both good and bad fish. But that the good or the bad will be separated out by the angels at the end of history. As this great chapter on the parables of the kingdom comes to an end that we've been reflecting on throughout this fall, we are left with this question then, have you understood all of this? And the disciples who had been listening, they answered, yes, we understand. But in that response, I have to say that while there are certain things that I understand, that if I'm honest with myself, I have to say at the same time, there is much that I do not understand. Who of us can understand totally any one of these stories? The presence of the reign and rule of God in our life and in a world like we live in, a world created by God, good. But by the time we get to the sixth chapter of Genesis, we discover that humankind has fallen, and it grieves God that he's ever made man because the whole world is so filled with violence. We've been reminded of that this weekend, haven't we? The good news of the kingdom is that God has not given up on us. That God has taken the initiative. He still comes to us. He scatters the seeds of the words of the kingdom. He's present in power. And so Jesus can say in his last parable here that the kingdom of heaven is like a trained scribe. who's like the master of a household who brings out of his treasury that which is new and that which is old. That has been one of the most perplexing, puzzling little parables of all of them together. The trained scribe I suggest that the trained scribe in this this parable really is Jesus himself, it is Matthew, both disciples if you will of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus so filled up with the old and the new that he brings forth out of the old revelation that Israel had received. He brings forth out of that oldness that which is healing, the story of salvation, the word of the psalmist, the prophets, the message of hope and of the longing for peace and the promise of the day coming when heaven and earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord and sin and evil and death will be no more. The little parable invites us to reflect upon what it is that we treasure. What's in our storehouse? What is it that we value? When we think of valuing something, this text speaks to us about the old that we value, And the old that is referred to here, if we're going to make sense of of this little parable and of the whole Gospel of Matthew, is the Old Testament revelation. The story of Israel. The story of God's salvation that the church has inherited. That old we have received into the treasury of our souls, the words of wisdom, of truth, of grace and love, the revelation of who God is. Now we should be, understa- we should be able to understand uh, the accumulation of treasure in our storehouses. Think for a moment about your treasury. What's in your treasury? Now I have not yet gone out to the canyon and leased a storage unit but I know that some of you have. But I've accumulated a lot of things at my house, and my wife is continually after me to get rid of some of these things. I look around at some of the things that I have kept and nurtured. They are so valuable to me. I made a little totem pole when I was in junior high school at a Boy Scout camp. And I inscribed the names of my fellow tribesmen. And it's painted in different colors. It's carved out of balsam wood. And that totem pole has, has traveled with me throughout all the years. And it has a special place in storage in my garage. I brought back to my son ca- carved Hollywood um, chess board with characters. Arabs and Crusaders, highly relevant to the time <laughs> we live. I don't know if we've ever played chess on it together or not, but I went to a lot of trouble to bring it home. And Kay keeps telling me, you got to throw that away. But no, it's still there. It has meaning to me. I think of all the things in my clothes closet. I think of all the Levi's and jeans, the old clothes that I can't get rid of. The case says, the next trip you take, I am emptying out those drawers (laughs) (coughs) and throwing it all away. And so the story goes on and on. You remember what you put in your safety deposit box? Treasures, important papers. Some of us discovered, many of us discovered what our treasures were on October 27, 1993. On that day when 400 houses in this area burned. And that afternoon when it appeared that our community on top of the world was going to be one of those communities that was burned down, we loaded up all three of our cars with our treasures, computers and televisions and books and pictures. I went through my house with a camera. I took a picture of everything that I thought had value to submit to the insurance company. I stood in the church office, my office, six o'clock that evening, alone looking at my bookcases and my files, thinking to myself, if we lose the buildings in this town, I'm going to lose all that I've accumulated that has helped define who I am, everything in which I've invested myself, all the books that I love. walked out into the back parking lot and the houses above us were exploding. And the smoke was swirling down through the center of Laguna Beach. And I thought we would lose all of downtown, including the church. By the time I arrived at PCH that evening with loaded cars... The line of traffic moving south was on both sides of the street going the same direction. Bumper to bumper. And it looked like another world. Refugees on the move. Treasures piled high inside of cars and on top of cars. Even some with mattresses. We were carrying with us the things that we thought would sustain our lives. Thank God we didn't lose downtown. But some of you lost your houses, didn't you? And lost everything. The people in this city who did not lose brought so many of their things and stacked them in the fellowship hall to the ceiling And I thought we would never get rid of all of that. And we became a recovery center. Have you understood all these things? All of this? The trained scribe brings forth out like a, a master householder, out of his treasury that which is old and that which is new not just in times of crisis but I remember my 40th high school reunion went to one of my friend's houses you probably heard of Stanley Marsh III in Amarillo, Texas he's the guy that planted 10 Cadillacs nose down outside the city limits pictured in Life magazine we went to his house for dinner Beautiful palace. Every room and hallway in that mansion filled with bookshelves. Filled with books and art. And I confess I wanted to move in. One day when I was in graduate school taking a course in Old Testament, my professor, Rolf Knierum, out at Claremont, invited me into his office. He was German. He'd grown up in Germany in World War II, the Jewish Holocaust, an evangelical Christian trained under Gerhard von Rod, one of the great Old Testament scholars in the world whose books are read around the world, he invited me to his office and he showed me his library, he had all the original works of Martin Luther in German and Karl Barth in German. I was in awe of this man. He said, read Luther the Heart of the Reformation, read Bart, the, the mind of the Reformation. Then he turned and, and said to me, you know, if I had to flee, do you know what one book I would carry with me? And you know the answer. He took his Bible, said, this is the one book, the revelation of who God is in the history of Israel. The revelation of who God became incarnate as in Jesus of Nazareth. I would take this book because it has defined my life, given my life meaning and purpose, has imparted to me wisdom not only to survive but to flourish, to lead the abundant life. I would take this one book and I thought, in a progressive seminary that had the reputation of being kind of a liberal Seminary, here's my professor of Bible saying, When push comes to shove, know what is most valuable the Word of God. Matthew presents Jesus as that trained scribe who brings out of his his treasury both new and old, the new himself. How in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as the children of God in whose life, death, and resurrection God acted to make atonement for our sins, to reconcile us to the Father, to teach us the meaning of love, and to call us to love one another, to work for justice and peace and righteousness in this world. This is the community that we are called to be. This is the new, built upon the old, interpreting the old, bringing us face to face with the reality of the kingdom. Do you understand have you understood all of this? The same professor, Rolf Canarum, Jeff McCrory, and I both studied with Rolf. And the last weekend, we were laughing together about that experience. Because in some ways this was really an intimidating genius. Now Rolf loved to smoke cigarettes. And in his course in interpreting interpreting the the Old Testament, hermeneutics of the Old Testament, all these brilliant students sitting around the seminar room would be gathered And he would chain smoke throughout his lecture. And he would suck the smoke into his mouth and deep into his lungs and hold it until he was about ready to pass out. We wondered at times, would he have enough oxygen in his lungs to survive this? And then... In passion in his teaching, he would begin to expel the, the smoke. It was almost like the glory of God floating around the room with his passion. And we studied every book about Old Testament hermeneutics we could. And, and he came to the end of the seminar, the semester course. He says, I'm taking the last two weeks to give you my theory of how we read the old in the light of the new. And with Penn sitting before my trained scribe, (laughs) I took notes that turned out to be really pretty simple. He said, God has given us a canon of Scripture, both old and new, Bring your own personal life and the life of the congregations that you serve under the authority of that word and do not neglect any one part of it. Never develop a canon within the canon of your favorite text that you think make people feel good but preach from some of the most awkward parts of the scripture that you may think have no relevance, but which have powerful relevance for the spiritual life of your people. Bring yourself into dialogue with that. This is what the church is about. This is what we are for. The mission of the church is based upon formed disciples who have been seated in the presence of the trained scribe. And he said, "It all comes down to this. One phrase it says, "Give God a chance." Give God a chance. He may just reveal himself from those out-of-the-way places, even the genealogies and the long list and stories that we do not understand but which puzzle us and cause us to trouble over paradoxes and seeming contradictions. But give God a chance. Because the identity and the future of the Church of Jesus Christ depends upon this. And if you have a congregation who do not know what it is they believe or what the foundations of the faith are really about, they, be so- they soon become acculturated to the culture and live just like everyone else who express the values and the spiritualities that are out there, but you are called to be servants of the kingdom, of the reign and rule of God. Every Christian brings himself or herself then in humility to surrender to that word by themselves, in community, in Bible studies, in worship, for the sake of the mission that God has called us to in the world. In many ways, this little text, this little parable in Matthew 13 simply describes what I've been trying to do all these years. So easy for a pastor to get diverted. You can become a pastoral counselor. You can become a money raiser. You can become an organizational developer or a psychologist. You can become a social worker. You can become a part of the institutionalism and bureaucracy of the world and of the church. But if you lose the center of your life in Jesus Christ, who is the new, who interprets the old... You lose everything, and the church is lost. And so this is at the heart and core of your pastor's passion. And I am so grateful because it is this reality that has sustained my life these years. And I look forward to God's heavenly kingdom of being able to sit with the Master, the one who holds all the treasures, and ask those questions from old and new that have perplexed and yet which God has used to work at transforming my life to help me understand and to answer Have you understood these things? Yes, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Pray with me. Living Lord, we thank you that we are the inheritors of a great legacy. Not just in this land or this building, as important as they are. But the legacy that we have received comes to us out of more than 2,000 years of history. Written by many different gifted people, inspired by the Holy Spirit for the work of transforming our minds and our hearts that we may be a faithful people in mission to the nations of the earth, a light to the nations. Help us this morning to stay on that journey, a journey of understanding that is not just intellectual, but reaches into the depths of our hearts to the transformation of our lives and our behaviors as we work to build the kingdom into many lives. We pray in your name. Amen. Please stand with me and let's affirm our faith. Leader and people, this is the good news that we have received in which we stand, and by which we are saved if we hold it fast. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, and that He appeared first to the women, then to Peter, and to the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is our Lord and our God. Thanks be to God, we present our morning offerings. You may be seated.
3: I'll also direct you to the inside of the uh, bulletin that you can sing this chorus with us um, after you've done all those other things. Invite you to sing it as well. Ancient words, ever true.
2: pray. God of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ, you promise to hear us. We pray to you in his name. Confident in your love and righteousness, we offer our prayers. You made all things in your wisdom, and by your love, you saved us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray for the whole creation this morning. Overthrow evil powers, right what is wrong, Feed and satisfy those who thirst for justice, so that all your people may freely enjoy the earth you've made and joyfully sing your praises through Christ our Savior. We lift up the nations of France and Lebanon this morning, especially the people of Paris and Beirut. In your name, we call for peace. Bring comfort and healing and strength to the victims and their families. Bring resolve, courage, and wisdom to the authorities. Bring justice and repentance to those who bring terror. For the military and first responders, bring resolve and protection. We pray for clergy and counselors who care for people now in their fear and grief. Give them your compassion. Once again, we cry out as your church, Lord, have mercy. Father, you have given us everything that is good, our homes, our food, our families, and even our lives. All that we own and all that we have become belongs to you. And since you've given us so much, we thank you by sharing our time, talents, and right now our finances with others in need. Use these gifts, we pray, to show your love to people in our church, our community, and throughout our world for the sake of Christ. We ask this now in his name amen. We will now sing the Lord's Prayer.
4: from the time of trial.
1: kingdom of heaven has overlapped and interconnected in our lives this morning in the proclamation of the word of the Lord. Go forth to let the light shine, to share the love of the kingdom and the vision of hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and all that he had to say to us through the words of the book that he loved so much. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation that has theological integrity and deep commitment to letting the trained scribes fulfill their calling of teaching and proclaiming the word of the kingdom for themselves and for the world. Fill us all with your joy.